Before you spot the telltale clue, the faint scar on the chin of one, the slightly grayer eyes of the other. When it's still cold, could be either twin standing in front of you and you have no idea which. It is not somehow both an amalgam of the two, but neither there is. The one, there is the other, and then there is the third twin, different from her sisters. The one who always disappears as soon as you recognize who she is not. I'm Heather Harris. And I'm James Harris. And this is the House of Harris podcast. Welcome. Welcome to our third episode. Over the years, I've listened to many podcasts and seen countless stories about the twin connection. Often, twins describe feeling pain if the other twin feels pain, or maybe even having a sixth sense that connects them like a lifeline. They can be so in tuned with each other that at times it can be scary. I've even witnessed a set of twins that I grew up with share their own language. Once we were at the movie theater and as we approached the box office, they started talking to each other in a language that sounded to me like gibberish. However, it wasn't gibberish to them. They knew exactly what the other was saying. It's pretty mind-blowing to witness. It can be confusing to an outsider, but that was the point of having a secret language, right? Later I found out they used this secret language to keep things from their father, but eventually he caught on to it. I've asked my twin friends to describe their connection. My friend Mandy stated, being a twin is a spiritual connection. It's deeper than siblings. We know what each other is feeling without saying a word. We often feel the same things at the same time. We tell one another all the time, we're one soul split into two halves. We're literal soulmates. No one could ever understand me the way she does. Her twin sister, Brittany, described the connection as being the same person in two bodies. We have very different lifestyles and beliefs, but at the end of the day, we have similar feelings and shared experiences that nobody understands because we've been through all the good and the bad together. Can you imagine sharing the womb with your twin? All of your major milestones in life? And always being completely joined and something happens destroying that unbreakable bond that you share? That is exactly what happened to my cousin's fiance, Diana. Diana came into my life when I was very young, I'd say early teenage years. She grew up with my cousin and eventually they began dating. Diana has always been like a cousin to me. She's an amazing person. She's happy, always can make you laugh, is very open and loving, and just a great human being to be around. She will help you with whatever you need and is an amazing mother to her own set of twins. Dawn and Diane Shipley were born in Baltimore, Maryland on February 12, 1979. They've shared an unbreakable bond since the moment of conception. One thing I vividly remember Diana telling me about their twin connection was when Dawn was pregnant with her own son, Diana felt Dawn's morning sickness. This shows how strong their connection really was. I can't remember the first time that I met Dawn, but I always remember her being really nice and very attentive to Diana. According to others, Dawn was always the life of the party. You could find her dancing and singing, and she was a huge fan of Mickey Mouse. One of my most vivid memories of Dawn was the day Diana went into the hospital to have her own twins via C-section. 
Dawn was by her side every step of the way. She brought her son to the hospital and we all hung around the waiting room waiting to hear about the birth of the babies. She was extremely protective of Diana. She paid attention to her needs and did as much as she could to make sure she was okay after giving birth. Anyone who met them could feel the love shared between them, a bond that not many ever have the chance to feel. Dawn was a proud mother to her own son, Keith. He was her pride and joy and she loved being his mom. In the early morning hours of May the 3rd, 2008, that unbreakable bond between Diana and Dawn was tragically ended. Around midnight, Dawn and her boyfriend headed out to a local ATM. They needed to withdraw money. Her boyfriend withdrew the money and Dawn stopped at a local bar to purchase some cigarettes and possibly some beer. An hour later, around 1 o'clock a.m., someone shot and killed Dawn Shipley near the 500 block of Brunswick Street in Baltimore City. She was left on the sidewalk, bleeding, completely alone. Unfortunately, no one really knows exactly what happened except the person who killed Dawn. According to a witness, a stranger approached Dawn and her boyfriend and asked for a cigarette. She told him no, and he pulled out a handgun, shooting her. The description that the police were able to obtain went as follows. Male, African-American, tall, and he had small braids in his hair that resembled the rapper Coolio's hair. There were no other details provided. Dawn's boyfriend was questioned by the police, but he could provide them with no other information. He claims he doesn't know who the gunman was and was not very helpful during the investigation. Not long after, he moved out of state and no one has heard from him ever again. There is no police report on this incident because it's still technically an open investigation, but at this point, the case has gone cold. In 2008, there were 234 homicides in Baltimore City. According to an article I found on the Baltimore Patch, more than 65% of homicides go unsolved every year in Baltimore City. Unfortunately, so many families are left without answers. To this day, there have been no new leads in Don Shipley's case. The sad part is, here in Baltimore, so many people are murdered every single day. Dawn Shipley's murder has been lost among the numbers, and that's not fair to her family. If you go online and conduct a Google search, you will only find very limited articles, maybe two total. That's completely ridiculous. Sadly, Diana and Dawn's father passed away last year, and he will never find out who murdered his daughter. If you have any tips on the murder of Dawn Shipley, please contact Metro Crime Stoppers at 1-866-7-LOCKUP. That's 1-866-756-2587. Hopefully, someone maybe knows some details that could help solve this case. Or maybe someone's overheard somebody else bragging about this case. Dawn's family deserves to see the man that killed her in ice-cold blood go to jail. Diana, I hope your family finally gets some answers to what happened to Dawn. She deserves so much more than what she has been dealt. I attended Dawn Shipley's funeral services on Thursday, May 8, 2008. The number of people that flooded the funeral home was overwhelming. One of the songs that played over the speakers was the Boys to Men song, End of the Road. I remember it playing over and over. Anytime this song comes on the radio, it reminds me of that day. All of the sadness that I could feel coming from everyone that loved Dawn. Even though Dawn came to the end of the road, no one that knew her and loved her will ever forget her. 
It's been 12 years since Dawn Shipley has passed on, and I know it still leaves a huge void in Diana's heart. Every day she has to live her life without her other half, essentially her soulmate, and I can't imagine the amount of grief and sadness that she must feel every day. I can't imagine the grief and sadness that she feels for her parents and her the rest of her family, but knowing that part of you is gone forever, I can't even imagine. Um, but I do think that it helps that Diane had her own set of twins because she knew the connection that she had with her sister and she's able to watch that connection develop with her own twins who actually just turned 13 um, yesterday, I believe. So can we discuss the boyfriend? Do we know anything about him? No. I understand that they were at the ATM together and then she left to go get some cigarettes. Yeah, she stopped in a local bar to buy cigarettes and probably beer. But an hour later she was dead? So what happened between the hour there? Were well, they, they got together? To, they got to the ATM at 12. Yeah. They, or they left the house to go to the ATM at 12. Right. So they got the money, and then she stopped into the bar, and she purchased the beer and the cigarettes. Right. And then she came back out, and I'm guessing she lit up a cigarette. And, yeah, I mean, as, f as far as the articles and what I know... They were together when it happened. So why does he not know anything? I'm guessing that's probably where they got the description of the suspect from. Okay. But, yeah, he was very adamant that he doesn't know anything. Um, I mean, the police never said he was a suspect. Maybe not a suspect, but suspicious in his actions. Yeah, they never really... There's, I mean, again, there's literally nothing. I mean, there's like two articles on the internet about it. Um, there's no copy, like, Diana doesn't have a copy of the police report. There's really nothing, there's nothing else. So, I guess, I know that Diana used to call the detectives a lot, and she would try to keep up with it, and, you know, so that Dawn's case wouldn't fall to the wayside like all the other cold cases do. And that's the problem in Baltimore, there's so many cases. Exactly, there's so many unsolved murders, and everything else that and we all know after 48 hours right the we've, chances of solving a case yep diminish considerably yep we've all seen the true crime shows we've heard the true crime stories and i mean if there's nobody around if they if they truly didn't know who the guy was and he was just some stranger the only way they're going to solve this case is if he says something to somebody else and somebody returns him in, which we know is probably not going to happen because you know, Baltimore's campaign for what, snitches get stitches or whatever it is. Right. They will come after you if you snitch to the police. So, I mean, that's really the only way murders get solved is somebody slips up and says something or somebody gets it on their conscience and decides to tell somebody but unfortunately, that's there's nothing else in the case. There's no, there's no other proof. It's sad. Yeah, it's very sad. It's not fair. I can't imagine losing somebody that I love and then not knowing what happened, why it happened, and not having justice. No. When I was doing some research on twin languages, 
And the twin connection. And the twin connection. Mm-hmm. With the rainbow connection. Not the same thing at all, but okay. Um, for some reason, I thought Esperanto, and that's like completely wrong. It's called cryptophagia. Cryptophagia. It's Wikipedia says it's a phenomenon of a language developed by twins that only the two children can understand. The word has its roots from the Greek crypto, meaning secret, and phasia, meaning speech. So, It's pretty cool. I mean, I know that you can witness babies talking to each other in a sort of gibberish, but when you see two adults, women, carrying on a conversation, it's, it's pretty pretty unreal that about does it for this episode thank you for listening we'll see you in this life or the next one mwahaha